Broadway Stage Manager's Secrets Revealed. On May 25, 2011, Gretchen Michaelfeld sat down with stage managers Jill Cordell, Ira Mont, and Heather Cousins to examine the relationship between directors and stage managers. Hello, I'm SDC Director Walter Bobby, and you are listening to Masters of the Stage. This program is produced by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation and presented by the American Theatre Wing. Okay, so um, welcome to the SDC, SDCF, DCN Masters of the Stage series. Um, tonight's panel is Broadway Stage Manager's Secrets Revealed. Um, we ha- are very lucky to have with us Jill Cordell, Ira Mont and Heather Cousins. Um, and we have a few questions uh, sort of that, that we've asked them to think about in preparation for this, and we'll just get the ball rolling with my favorite, courtesy of Sturgis. Can you, let's start with Heather, can you describe for us your ideal director? I mean, this probably isn't a person you've ever actually worked with, like in, well, in heaven, in heaven. <laughs> Who would be your uh, ideal director? Uh, I, well, of course, a creative genius is really, you know, someone who is uh, has brilliant ideas um, and is able to collaborate with the team in order to, in a way that makes those ideas uh, come to life. In a way that doesn't make, uh, isn't really cruel to anybody. There you go. <laughs> and Ira. Um, I, I guess I would just add on to that I mean certainly you know a, a creative genius grounded in reality <laughs> um, and who uh, a collaboration is it but understands that you know communication with the entire team of which their stage management team is a part uh, is is key and that sort of global communication really there's nothing I always say there's nothing that happens in the rehearsal room or behind the proscenium that we shouldn't know about so when a director understands that and feeds into that, it only makes their job and their world better. I also like directors who make people laugh. Like, they don't have to be <laughs> comedians, but the idea that it's okay to laugh at something in a rehearsal or laugh at somebody's, you know, goofing makes everything in the room seem easier, even when it's the worst day of the world. There's always something that makes somebody giggle. And if that's not frowned upon, then that's a, such a damper on the whole experience that no matter what the show is like, if everybody can remember that they smiled in rehearsal, then that sort of sends you to another place, and maybe you'll get better work out of people. So I, I think my ideal would be someone who appreciates laughter. So, so are you talking about appreci- are you talking about a director who attempts to inject humor, or a director who just sort of appreciates? I think the goofiness appreci- of- I think appreciates the goofiness of what's going to happen in a rehearsal room or on a tech stage, or and I also think you know I think you can't really be creative unless you have some sort of sparkle within you that m- does make other people laugh too do you, you know I think completely dour people can't possibly <laughs> you know create lots of beauty if there's nothing beautiful in what they see or feel or and I think that comes out in humor so that's my ideal I agree. make so them laugh yeah. like a levity to their <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
do you guys also attempt to bring a levity to the room? <laughs> well, uh, that's guarded. And, I mean, you, you, we have to sort of read the room, and it's not only on the level of being doing something that would make the room laugh. It's on, on a number of levels. And it's both the director and the cast that sort of set, you know, what your participation, your open participation is going to be. And there's no hard and fast right or wrong or rule. Different people need different things. I mean, you know, if you're doing a show with Nathan Lane, you're not going to try and be funny. Because, <laughs> you know, you, that's, Nathan takes care of the funny. Um, and, some, and some directors also, uh, they need to run the room even though you're running the room for them behind the scenes, but they need to run the room. And so you don't want to have a situation where there's like a competition as to who's going to be the one to set the mood or make the joke. And so the answer is yes, you can participate, but you, but as stage managers, we have to know when, where, how that's okay and to what degree. Is there anything a director can do to help you understand that and feel comfortable with whatever that temperature is? Or do you feel like that's your job Mm. You mean help Heather. the stage manager? <laughs> yeah, I mean, does everyone can, in the room? Have you ever had a director say, "You know what? For, sure. for this show, let's not, you know, crack wise with the jokes, or let's be careful around the, these actors." Or I mean, I, I do they really just? I don't know if on that level. I mean, I've had directors say to me, "I'm interested in hearing everything you have to say about anything, but not in front of the cast." So, you know, and, and that's great, or, or it can be some, something different or some variation on that. But uh, it, it is always helpful if somebody is able to put into words and be upfront with sort of the way they would like things to be, or conversely say, go for it. You know, what, whatever you have to say or do is fine by me. Right, laying ground rules, I guess. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. it's about humor or about you know, chiming in or any of that. I mean, it's hard when you've never worked with somebody to figure that out unless they are very upfront and say, I like this to happen, I do this in the room, you do that in the room. And those things are really valuable because as a stage manager, as Ira said, we always have to take, you know, we wait to, for, to have someone tell us how to lead. Do you know what I mean? We'll, we'll take a lead as soon as someone says, here's how I would like the room to you know, what what you can do, let me always be the one to start the day, or please you start the day and I'll step in. I mean, those kind of things you might think, well, doesn't everyone do it this way? And clearly <laughs> no one ever runs a rehearsal in the same way. You know, from one stage manager to the next, from one director to the next. So even as a director, if you've worked with somebody and then you think, oh, that's how we're going to run a rehearsal you can't assume the next stage manager is going to know or feel or operate under the same sort of set of rules because in their head, oh, well, I did it really well this way the last time, and so maybe, but it doesn't work because it's always what the play calls for, what the actors call for, what the production calls for. So setting ground rules is helpful in all terms, I think, between stage managers and directors, just even little bitty things like who gets to say we're ready to start. Do you, I mean, that's a big deal. Do you know in the ha who, who gets that power in the room and who the actors look at? And, and, you know, if a director needs a minute to, to gather and they'd rather have a stage manager get everybody ready to go, that's a good way to start. Or some directors say, I'm the one who says that. I'm the one who gathers the crowd and, you know, gets us 
where we need to start. So even little things like that. I agree with the, the kind of logistic things. It's easy when cause everything is here and people can express what they want up front and in words. Um, but I don't think I've, I'm trying to think of if I've ever had a director actually say, this is what I want the mood of the rehearsal room to be. I mean, I guess I've had people say, this is a private rehearsal, or let's clear everybody out. We want to... But in terms of, like, there's too much laughing, I think I've just always followed the lead of it's more the of director. It's instinctive yeah. thing. Yeah. You just kind of... <clears throat> and it becomes well, pretty apparent. I've never... Yeah. I'm trying to remember if I've ever even questioned it. It's just... Like whatever the well, style of the I mean, my is, experience right now is that I put I stepped into a production that had been produced in in uh, London, and I went to London to to help them uh, remount it for New York. So I went in to a full company who'd done the play twice before, and so I really needed him to tell me right. how did you rehearse this play? Do you, you know, and so I right. became very apparent that it was really nice to have somebody say to me. This is how we do, you know, we this do this in rehearsal. This is how I start. You don't have to do it that way. This is how I, right. you know, because they, they had already established something that I joined, you know. So that's why, in my head, those are really fresh yeah, no, because I just, that's how I just operated on the show that I'm doing right now. So, Interesting. so okay, so, Heather, back to your creative genius idea. Yeah. <laughs> What's the smartest thing you've ever heard a director say? Well, well starting with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm smartest just like, thing? I would line listen to Heather. No. Um, <laughs> That's a smart thing. Well, I mean, that sense of uh, a director trusting their team, really, and all the little ways that they s- think support their team and show that their team is trustworthy. Um, I mean, I, I joke to say listen to Heather, but really it's the way that they can support not only the stage management staff, but, you know, your designers, allowing people to be creative, and you have to trust that people are going to support your vision. Um, and I guess, yeah, that's the smartest thing I see. I mean, across the board. There's specific smart things, but across the board, that's... Do you find that's inspiring? I mean, does it inspire you and they, you feel like, oh that director trusts the designers and trusts the, you know, the rest of the team. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like whenever people feel trusted, they're going to do better work. When people feel micromanaged or, you know, that you have to do it a certain way and it doesn't quite feel right, people just aren't going to be as creative or as come up with as brilliant ideas as if, you know, they're given some some intellectual and creative elbow room. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I tried to think of a quote, and I, I mean, I went through, and uh, of course, the most recent production is what's in the yeah. four, and, and um, my director said, uh, and uh, this could have come from my playwright, but at least he had the, the intelligence to, to repeat it, um, and I, I love it, I'm going to use it forever, wit has a stalling speed, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I think that's gr- a great line for a comedy. It's one of the smarter things I've ever heard. Um, and th- th- then another thing, and this is sort of on an, am- on amus- an amusing bent, but uh, a director that I've, I've worked with uh, tends to say at the end of a moment or at the end of a, a, a portion, well, let's say that went well. <laughs> and and I, I think it's great because uh, it really sets a, a tone. I mean, it's amusing. Everybody laughs. It sort of reminds everybody that that might have really gone well, but we're not done with it. And even if it went really brilliantly, it 
still doesn't mean we're done with it. And it, it and she says it all the time, and it kind of never gets old. Uh, and everybody starts to say it themselves and quote it. But it's really an a, an extraordinary catchphrase, I think. Let's say that went well, it, and it lets you move on to the next thing, but not leave, not say, okay, that one's done. Check it off. It's never done. So, those are my smart things. I don't have a quote, but uh, I have a, um, a, a, a situation that I thought was really uh, clever and interesting that the director that I have right now said to me, it's when we get to the theater, can you please, we, I want to make sure that everyone in the theater is introduced to everyone else in the theater. And that, so we literally stood in, in the basement of the theater and the, everybody, the, uh, the ushers weren't there, but the house manager was there, but every crew person that, you know, and, and someone from the box office came down and all of the cast and all of the designers who were there, it was the first day of tech, and we all introduced ourselves to each other like you would do in a first rehearsal but there's a whole separate group of people who you may not actually ever get introduced to you know the guy on the flies you see once when he pulls the curtain but he's there every day and he pulls the curtain for you every day but you might never have been introduced to him so I thought that was really smart and the other thing he did was besides the introduction he said um is there a way that you can get a photograph of all those people and put it on a piece of paper and put it on their dressing room tables? Do you know, like, the doorman has the playbill, so he learns everybody's faces and wardrobe can learn people's faces from the playbill, but we sort of created that for the actors so that they saw, this is Tim the prop man, this is Kim the prop man, this is, you know, so that that one-time introduction, forget it, you can't ever remember their names, but then you go upstairs to your dressing room and we did, you know, little photos of people during load-in and then put it on their dressing tables and I thought why have I not done that for the past 20 <laughs> years of my life right. that's <laughs> actually something I, I push for now because it's so yeah. it makes such a big difference yeah and invariably the actors are outnumbered and that is like a, a it's yeah. Interesting yeah. Moment. But this kind of, I can't, one of the other questions we were told to prep for, th- th- this was sort of going to be part of my answer to, is, it was something like, how can we help you guys get through tech or something yeah, like that? Yeah, we were going to talk know, about tech. But, so. but it, and it, it's so funny that it all comes back to collaboration, communication, facilitation. I mean, there's nothing that we do or that you guys do that doesn't fall into that little rubric, honestly. Um, and I'll tell you two quick stories. One is from a producer and one is from a director about how important it is to really make that connection. Um, the first Broadway show I ever did, the producer was, uh, well, I'll use the name, Joop Vandenent um, was the producer, uh, a, an independently wealthy man who came to the United States. It was the first show he produced here. He pr- has produced many shows since. Cyrano the Musical, it was an enormous automated technological show. Our third preview two of the full stage elevators caught each other and wouldn't let go and we had to bring in the curtain and stop the show and on stage trying to separate these two full stage elevators rocking the units back and forth are 14 stage hands and Yob Vandenent wearing a suit that cost $5,000 if it cost $100 let me tell you Local One will do anything for Yob Vandenent and on a director's side uh, uh, Warren Carlyle, who just uh, recently did um, uh, <coughs> Tale of Two Cities, I guess is the last thing he did here in New York. You know, the, the crew at the Al Hirschfeld would do anything Warren Carlyle asked them. He knew, everybody, he knew everybody's name. He thanked the crew at the end of every session. It was making that connection, remembering that everyone in the building is actually 
heading towards the same goal and making sure everybody remembers that. It, and it's like Heather, Heather said uh, earlier, and, and Jill said also, that if, if everybody feels like they're part of the team, they're just going to do their job better. And since, as the director, you are at the pinnacle of that pyramid of everybody making their job happen, it can only serve you well to really keep that in mind, that it, it's an important element. Yeah, that's a great, I mean, that seems like a great way to set the stage for, for tech. Um, do you have any, do you guys have any other, I, I, I think a lot of young directors or early career directors say to me, we work and work and work in the room and it's great and then we get into the theater and it all goes to hell, it all falls apart and I feel like I've lost control of it and I don't know, I don't know how to get the magic back basically. And I'm just wondering if from a stage manager's point of view, if there's, if you see that happening and if you can see ways to prevent that or see ways to make that time more productive for the artists or well i i guess there's a that magic has it will always disappear depending on what you're expecting the magic to be <laughs> because there's a magic that's going to happen that's different do you know it's not going to be actor driven for that very minute it has to be are is everybody fitting in to make the magic of the actors shine again. Do, do you know what I mean? So you have to give respect, due, and time to all the people that have to be slotted in. Like when you're in a rehearsal room and you only have the actors in front of you, you can get exactly what you want because it's an isolated situation. And then when you move into the theater, granted, there are 20 more people whose jobs have to be put into place. Do you, you know, the lights have to be directed, the sound has to be directed, the, you know, all those things have to be put in so that that's magical if you can look at it as magical. Do, do you know what I mean? So if they say I've lost that magic, well, one quotient of the magic has gone down. But that's because you have to build up the other part in order to make it all come together. So if you go in and look at it as I've lost my show or I've lost control, perhaps you've lost one portion of it, but then you have to just Right, trust that what you're going to put together is a very big picture, and then you know you'll get to see the whole thing. So I would say you have to just take the leap, you know, and expect that it's not going to feel the same, and it may never feel the same as it did that magic that you created with three actors in a you know little room with a table and two chairs. It's going to be a different magic that you have to shoot for, and hopefully you've had something in your head. Do you, do you know that, that you have a picture of what you want that you're building towards? So that's what I have to say. Very well said. Thank you. I, <laughs> Any other, like, tips for getting through tech or making the most of your tech time, you know, time management and stuff like that in tech? Hmm. Um, trust your stage manager. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, it, a key part of what we do is to try to help you manage your time um, and that goes back a little bit to the you know artistic genius grounded in reality and that we all want to move as quickly as possible but depending on this you know I'm doing Arcadia right now Arcadia is three hours of play in one room with a table and two chairs you know and we still had to wait because I have ten moving lights and if you want the lights to do this You've got to give the designer and his associate and the programmer X amount of time to oh no that was wrong no try this it just takes a moment or six moments 
And if you want that to look that way, you simply have to breathe and accept that. And I, I think the important thing is to convey to your cast that that's okay with you. Because that's, I think, where some of the magic gets lost. And most actors know that part of tech is you end up standing around or it goes slowly. But I think in the, in the experiences I've had where the cast could sense that the director was becoming frustrated or impatient or checking out, like we're in, a mo- we're in a moment where something's happening, we're waiting for the lighting designer or we're waiting for something to happen, and the director has gone to make a phone call. Well, if we haven't all dis- agreed that this is a moment where we can all break, we're not taking a break, but we can all break, then that's difficult because the cast will take their cues from the director. And that's just across the board. So it's uh, important to remember that you're you're the mommy or the daddy in the room whenever you are in the room. And so you have to set the set the tone for the children. And if it's okay to wait for four minutes while your lighting designer figures out this sequence, then it's okay. And if you say it's okay, then everybody will say it's okay. Four minutes. <laughs> That's ambitious. <laughs> um, what other, do you guys have any other time management? Yeah, I mean, the other kind of big thing I'd say is, or a pitfall that I see some directors fall into is that the when something's going wrong, you having the wherewithal to let it go. I mean, I, I feel like in the whole editing sense of, uh, you know, it, it goes with acting as well. If you're trying to get an actor to do something and it's for whatever reason the script isn't supporting it or the actor can't do it or they can't say a list of things and walk around in a pattern that you want, like, there's a time to step back and remember what is important to tell the story. And maybe this piece of scenery that doesn't move that way that you really need it to move isn't as important as actually finding another way that might be better to tell the story. So there's a sense of knowing when to kind of let go of an idea that might have been your first idea that made you want to accept a project or your favorite song which made everybody so excited in the run-throughs or whatever it is there might be a time to let that go because it's not working. And you can either keep banging your head against the wall to make it work and it might end up working. I mean, it's that's the thing: knowing when to walk away from it and when to that it, when to when it's such an important song or whatever it is that you have to keep working on it. So picking your battles. Yes, because I'm, I'm every show I've ever worked on that's had success of some kind. We have almost always let go of something that has been the most dear thing <laughs> to the director or the, to the writers or whatever, like the, the song or whatever it is that, that made them want to do the show. Yeah. But it ends up on the cast album as a bonus track. <laughs> 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 um, so, uh, along those lines, what's the dumbest thing? Obviously, you have to be very diplomatic here, but what's the dumbest thing you've ever oh, seen a director do? What? <laughs> Can you really not think of something? <laughs> I, I guess I tried not to. I don't know. Uh, you, go for, you go first. I had a director who lied to me. I had a director who lied, not just to me, who lied. I mean, didn't trust the entire team. And it was pretty, um, it was the only time I've ever stepped away from a project. I thought, I was involved with the early stages of a project, and I just thought, this is not going to be the kind of project that I want to be involved with. And I think you will be better served by another stage manager. And, uh, which is one. I mean, I saw him lie to a, a number of people about stupid, about things that did not matter. 
really wow. things that didn't matter at all and it was I just thought no, you're, I'm, you're not gonna this is not going to be a good experience well, probably the dumbest uh, thing. <laughs> my dumbest thing is it, it's sort of a it's sort of a shared blame, although very often the director is either complicit or can, without knowing it, be the muscle. Um, it's never the right choice not to have the understudies in rehearsal at the earliest possible moment, um, and. Uh, because, you know, uh, contractually, uh, they're not, you don't have to have the understudies uh, or on a musical, the, 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 you know, swings don't have to start on the first day. There's the whole, you know, when during, based on the performance schedule. Um, and very often what happens is you have the two parties sort of come at each other and the management will go to the director and say, well, you know, of course it would be uh, financially better if we could put it off as long as we could, but, you know, we want you to have them in the room as soon as you want them. And the director says, well, I know it would be good for the production to save some money, uh, but I don't need... It. And the truth is, it's, it's a game of... If it's a game of chicken, I think it's a stupid game of chicken. And if it's not a game of chicken, I'm here to tell you that as the directors, you should always fight for the... or be happy to have the understudies present as early as possible. Now, I do see that there is some value in those very early moments of not having people in the room who are not specifically a part of the process of the moment. But honestly, once you get past that first time on your feet, I don't understand the notion of, not, of thinking that it's better for the process not to have the understudies come. It's, it's just... It's, in my humble opinion, it's dumb. <laughs> so there, there's my answer to your, to the dumb question. Um, well, it was a, um, a show a long time ago, but I, an, a director one time said to an actor, it, well, it's not the dumbest thing, but it was weird, in the, in, and it ended up making... And it ended rehearsal early that day. Um, uh, an actor was having trouble learning lines, and the director literally said to him, go away, I cannot direct you if you don't know your lines. And it, it doesn't sound like a dumb thing, and, it, and it's not, it wasn't, a wrong, it wasn't extremely wrong in that we weren't moving forward because the actor couldn't produce any, you know, it was a, it was a big stumbling block for both of them, but it was so, like, bizarre and and, and became hurtful. Do you, you know, it, they were sort of butting heads, and I can't learn the lines until you help me, you know, until you direct me, and I can't direct you until you learn the lines. And it was just a real, like, ugly thing, and we left that day at, like, noon. We just all walked out of the room and there was no rehearsal that day yeah. so you know th so I mean it was a, it was like I think part of what was weird and ugly about it was that it was public a public I maybe that it was public because here we are waiting we're working you know and we get to this place and it just was you know stopped dead in the track and you know yeah so it was an interesting day to be a part of that and just go home 
and he learned his lines. <laughs> so it worked. Yeah. Well, there was nothing to, I mean, you know, he, he could not be direct. You, you know, he w- really claimed that, you know, one of those people who says, I can't learn my lines until I know my blocking. And then they say, do you know, and the director says, but I don't know what, what you're doing until I hear what you have to say. It's really a strange combination that you have to figure out with an actor. Like, how much do you let give them and how much do they get from you? Do you know? I mean, so it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to maneuver. But anyway, so that was my, that's my one little odd story. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you guys have for, for early career directors? I mean, you know, what would you love to impart to people who are just starting out? Hmm. Well. <laughs> hire early, hire often. <laughs> um, wow. I don't know. You mean if they were working with us, what would we say to them? Or Yeah, like what if, if they said just enlighten me, what would you like to tell me? Or, you know, if you had a student, you know, a student director come to you and say, what's, what's your best? I don't know. I, I mean, I always say to stage managers when I talk to them that I, I think you better uh, love actors. Um, and I think that's the same for directors. Do you, do you know what I mean? You, you better really love them because they're going to be pains <laughs> in the neck. Do you, you know, they are artists of a different breed, and they will be, cause you lots of anguish. And so you better love them for what they offer you and take what they offer you and highlight that and try to downplay the awful things that they're going to bring with them with that ego or lack of ego or, you know, whatever it is, because they make what we do possible. Do, and there's just no way around it. You can't. I mean, you, or do or do something else. Do you know? Or direct puppets. But you can't direct. You know. I mean, you gotta think about it. You better really love them because they they're like they're sort of like children in that they will try you at every step of the way. They're so, special. Love them. I, that mean, you know, but look, don't be in this business if you don't love them because they will aggravate you to the point of not wanting to do this job. And when that happens, don't do it anymore. I agree. You know, because look, if you don't love what they're doing for you, you, you need to stop. So I, I'm sure that goes for directors as well as for stage managers. Yeah. I mean, we feel that way here. About directors, we, you know, everyone in this office, we love you guys. We do. <laughs> I love you guys. I, I think, and this goes back a little bit to Jill talking about laughter in the room, and I, I, I think it's also important to when you when you when you are formulating a project or you're brought onto a project, whatever it is that you are bringing to it as a director, um, while taking Heather's advice to heart about being able to let things go when the time is right or necessary or apparent, is uh, is to hold on to. Whatever it is, because, you know, people often ask, I'm sure they ask Jill and Heather, you know, people ask me, you know, do you want to direct? Or are you going to, you know, are you going to be a director when you grow up? Which, you know, I, I think I, I think I've sort of, that's time and sale. And the answer is no, I'm going to retire or die an old stage manager. I don't, I love directing understudies and replacements and remounting productions of shows I have stage managed. I do not have a creative flame 
I do not have a, that's not in me. And I presume it's in all of you. So hold on to that. Come into the room with that and don't let anybody bully you into uh, changing it or letting it go while still being collaborative. I mean, you are, you know, along with the playwright and all the other people who help it, you, you know, you shepherd whatever any project is. Um, but you've got to hold on to that. But at the same time, you've got to remember we are, what we're doing is not that precious. It is in the moment, but it's not. And, you know, it, it's urban legend, and I've heard it attributed to Helen Hayes and to uh, Irene Worth and all, you know, all these grand dams of the theater, but saying, you know, of, of all the things in life, the show is actually not one of the ones that has to go on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's kind of true so I think that if, like Jill said in, you know, allowing that moment or moments to realize for yourself and for everybody you're working with that we're just putting, we are just putting on a show we're, we're, not, we're not at the G8 summit and we're not trying to you know it, so th- those are the two things I would say is hold on to the flame but don't be so precious about it when the moment is right Unless you're the stage manager right. of the <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and there was one. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, the thing I'd say, I mean, really, it's kind of what you guys have already said. It's just the, the collaborative, you know, on your ability to collaborate well. Um, you know, the, to create an environment in the rehearsal room, whether it be with levity or whether it be creating a space where there's no shame or whatever that is called for in the, for the piece create a situation where people feel like they can bring their ideas and then have the wherewithal to um, not need to listen to all of them because there will be, they won't all be great ideas. You don't have to try out all of the ideas, but find, you know, go with the good ideas and try them until they don't work or whatever. I mean, it's, a, it's collaborative. You have to, if you only ask your designers to do the thing that you can imagine that they can do, they will bring you something that looks like a box. But if you say, can you make me something square that does this, then they'll bring something amazing that you wouldn't have personally ever dreamed of. So creating a situation where people feel like they can be uh, as creative and as they can be. And then and allowing them and trusting them, all those things that we've already talked about. It's interesting. I, I, I remember reading during the campaign that one reason the Obama campaign had so little problem with leaks to the press mm-hmm. is because he really listened to everyone and made them feel valued. He may not ultimately make the decision that was their idea, but people didn't resent it and feel like they needed to go air their ideas in the press, which is, I think, probably very applicable to shows when there's all kinds of grumbling and mm-hmm. gossip and all that chat and all that stuff, you know, um, it's probably when people feel valued, they don't feel the need to, well, I would have done it this way on the internet or whatever, so it's interesting. Um, Arturo Parazzi, who, uh, who's right now, he's uh, stage managing, he's the um, PSM of Memphis. He actually was supposed to be here tonight and he had a conflict, but he sent me an email with his answer to this, which was, you know, what he always tells, and he's a, he's a teacher as well, what he always tells his students is, don't try to be different, just be great, and that'll actually be different enough, you know? If you're really, really good at what you do, that's actually different, you know? Because not everybody is a great director, so if you're, if you're really, if you really, 
want to be, if you're really excellent, you will actually be different, which I think is great advice. It's very interesting. I like that. Don't try to be yeah. different, just try to be great. Yeah. That's good. Which is I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's I mean, I feel like that, I mean, when you stay true to how, do, how can I best tell this story, it's not like, I, how can I best put my stamp on this story? It's how, what can I do to best tell this story? Because sometimes that's a very unique stamp, but it's in the right. service of the story. So we do have a little time if, if people have questions. Yes? First of all, thank you for being here. Um, to me, there's no person more important after the director. Next, next most important person I've the stage manager. And the bond that forms is very important. My question to you is, you're trying to please the director, the designers, all the people on the management side of the show, and yet you, as stage managers, belong to actors' equity, and therefore you have to make sure that their rules are followed. Do you have a hard time trying to balance that, being, a member, of, being a member of actors' equity? What a good question. <laughs> but I might no. add that directors are also on the labor <laughs> side. They are, they are right. actually employees. I, 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 I want to go one minute over, because there's, there's one second, there's 30 seconds left of that scene, but the stage manager says, no, we have to stop now. Yeah. You know, it's not the direct answer to your question, but I'll start with whenever I'm, I, I also teach, and, or whenever I'm asked the question, why are stage managers in actors' equity with actors? And it, it, fundamentally, it's because, in my humble opinion, one of the primary reasons, we are the only, there are two groups, right? It, to put on a play or a musical takes dozens or hundreds of groups. There are only two that are with it from the first day of the process to the last day of the process. The actors and the stage managers. Now, I'm not talking about all the pre-production and the writer was writing. I'm talking about the process begins on the first day of rehearsal and it's over on closing night. And from that first day of rehearsal to closing night, only the actors and the stage managers are in the room together every day. No one else. Not you guys, not the producer, no one else. We're the only ones. So we have a natural bond because of that, which I think is, that is the thing that makes it easy for us, or can make it easy for us, to ride the fence. And it is, it's riding a fence, that's what, that's what the job is. Your, your example, it's kind of part of reading the room, and it's not only reading the director, it's reading the actors, Be, you know, if a director wants to go one minute over, well, there are some times where you know the room's not going to let that happen. And that will be bad for the director. You don't want... It, we, are in, we are in a position to help shield the director from a di an uncomfortable position. It would be worse to be at odds with your cast than it would be to just stop a minute earlier than you want to. And so that's what, what, what our job is. I don't know if that answered your question. In way, does, yes. Real, yes. really, yes. but... It's a hard balancing I think you guys have to go through. It gets easier, though. I mean, the it longer does. you do, the longer we're in this business, the easier it is to know how how to to balance that. You know, because you, you just learn. You mm -hmm. learn when to say yes and when to say no, and when it. You know, yeah. It 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 sounds really <laughs> difficult. It gets easier and easier. It, I mean, for I mean, I, I think agree. for all of yeah. us, the longer mm -hmm. you do this, the more you you find out how to you know where to. Yeah, it just does get easier. It sounds much harder than it really is in practice because we do have those rules for ourselves and we obtain, you know, we follow those rules and we keep those rules. 
that we have to answer to, you know, another whole side of, you know, but you that's what you do. Like, that's what the job asks of you, and you just do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mr. Mott, you've commented before about uh, not having the desire to be a, a director, but also the aspect of stage managers that have to give uh, notes to actors and rehearsing and other studies. And, um, and I was curious, not just for Mr. Mott, but for all of you, um, can you comment on the, that side, which is somewhat overlaps the directing side once the, the director is no longer present in the room and how that relationship with the actors is built, and if it involves the director Well, she'll never tell it, but I, I will say, do you, I don't know, Jill's my wife. Jill and I are married. And so, I don't know if that's, so, but uh, at, uh, a, a very fine actor who was a member of the playing company but was also the understudy for the lead said and continues to say almost going on a decade later that Jill was the best director he ever had so kudos to her um, but it's it, I guess some people can do it and some can't do it as well a very I don't know how Heather feels about it but I know how Jill and I feel about it that you know a, a, a moderately distressing thing about the way the industry is changing. Well, okay, so Heather feels the same way as we do. <laughs> You're not going to like this. And, and yeah. some of you aren't going to like this. And, and uh, um, you know, back in the day, uh, the, here in America anyway, there weren't any resident directors or associate directors who would be there every day or who would pop in once or twice a week or th- two or three times a month. It was us. It was the PSM. There was nobody else who was responsible for maintaining. And now there is this new advent. And so riding the... That's, it's another fence we've had to learn how to ride because, you know, you, you can't have too many cooks. Mm-hmm. And I find this fence much more yeah. gradual and delicate <laughs> than, than most others. Yeah, to, because if you, have to, you can't have too many people noting the show, so to speak. But I think I started life as an actor. I mean, uh, so I feel like I don't have any desire to create direction, but I feel very capable of maintaining and recreating direction, which is really what it is to me. I mean, I think, I guess I occasionally say something really illuminating, but I'm sure I'm just mostly quoting what all of you had said in the rehearsal to get what's necessary from understudies or replacements or just. Rephrasing the same rephrasing thing. Rephrasing the same thing. It's a different person who needs to hear it somewhat yeah. different right. way. Right. Um, it's one of the reasons that I don't do big musicals. That my whole career has been doing straight plays because I like helping actors. And I feel like when you're on a big musical, a lot of times you have to help big scenery. And I don't really care about helping big scenery. <laughs> so, I, so I like to be able to be a helper to actors, a helper to the director in keeping the artistic integrity of the show. So I don't... Um, uh, you know, it's been, it's a, it was very difficult to learn that there was going to be a director in the room all the time once the show went up where I'd always been the person who then the actors were given you know the director used to say I'm gone here's your stage manager they'll give you notes I love your wife she was my uh, associate for my wife has been the associate director for all three of these people right (laughs) Um, but it was a weird thing to like all of a sudden say now this person is going to do what you used to what you used to love about keeping a show running 
they're going to be the one who's going to come in. And so actors, now here's your direct, you know, your director is still here. And I think, yeah, but how, what am I, like, if you're only there every 10 days, yes. what about the other nine days of performances? Do, you know, so we had to really learn how to figure out how to talk to each other in between and say, can you come Tuesday? Because for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, this is happening on stage. I want to give this note. Let you see it. And I learned it was really great to have a second set of eyes look at something because, you know, yeah. I found that Another sometimes... Kind of exactly. Right. So it became a partnership I, of looking at shows I with think two of, sets of eyes. I think part of what one of the earlier questions was is a piece of advice for all of you is it's, re- it's really important whether you only have a stage manager or you're leaving behind a stage manager and an associate or a resident. Whatever your situation is, you as the director have two really important jobs. One is you need to empower both one or both of those individuals to your cast. Your cast has to know that when I go, here, are the, here is this person or these people that are me, and use them and, and, and take a note from however it plays out. And then, privately, the empower whoever the individuals are to sort of give them a bit of a structure as to what you expect. And as Jill was describing, you know, and then you kind of end up doing it for yourselves as, you know, how, how often are you going to come and I'm going to call you and whatever. But, you know, if the director wants to set it up, you do this, you do this, always keep this one in the loop, whatever. It's really important for us to know how you want it to happen. Because the thing is, I always say, a show is somebody else's toy. And I'm just here to take care of it. But if you want me to roll the ball like this, then that's how I'm going to roll the ball. And I'll do it well. But, you know, it's your toy. Tell us how to take care of it. I would add on to that second very important thing to do is uh, as a, a way of very practically empowering us is to include us in note sessions. Um, and not to not have, I mean, obviously you wouldn't have rehearsals without one of us, but to include us, if you're giving notes, either include us or give us a rundown afterwards. I mean, obviously we can't be everywhere all the time, and you should be able to talk to performers, even, you know, in the dressing rooms or whatever, because um, we can't be everywhere all the time. But it's really we important tried. to keep us in the loop about what you've told the performers. Right. Or or design, I mean... Anybody. anybody. Right. Secret agent directing only can hurt you. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, we'll, we'll work against you. Yeah, like, say, I didn't That's not what the director told you to do. And I was right. there when the director told you to do this. And right. And say, well, the director told me to do this. And then you have to follow. And it's like a mess. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, Dr. Yeah. I'm wondering if you have any memories of a particularly effective first rehearsal or initial meet and greet once the shows been cast. Uh, I don't just mean fun, but a great way a director has set a tone or established expectations, or if not a memory, what you would, something you've always wanted to see happen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can, I'll tell you right now, because as Ira said, what you're doing right now is like, this is the freshest thing in my head, and it's the most different production that I've ever worked on. Um, This director had us play a lot of games and it was like at first you know I thought really I'm going to play games and then I realized like he it was so important and and became so valued that we literally would rehearse for 20 minutes and play 5 minutes of a theater game and everybody 
you know, you got to sort of put away what you were doing and not have to think about that, whatever that scene was, and you literally played a game for 10 minutes, and then you went back. And it was kind of like recess, but contained, and nobody left the room, and, you know, you got to take a break, but, you know, he was, he was not fond of breaks where people all went away. get over. 
Sit up. Yeah. Um, going back to assistant directors and associate directors, one of the ways in which assistant directors and associate directors can help you do your job better and help the production overall, like what have you seen in successful assistants and associates? Well, I think what Jill said about having a, a being on the same team, I mean, keeping each other in the loop and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, you know, making sure that, oh, we're both looking at the same, look at the scene, I think this is happening, and you can both say that to each other, can you keep an eye on this, or mm-hmm. this person had a question about this when I gave them that note, can you just, you know, see how it goes tonight, or whatever, because obviously it's, it's nice to have an extra set of eyes. I mean, it's, and it, it, it's sort of hateful to me to put it in the... again, you know, so. So we have time for one more question. So just following, in the case of the associate and the stage manager, who actually does give the notes directly to the actors, or does it vary? Both, both, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never had one or the other. other well, it can do will. I mean, sometimes it depends... Thank you for listening to Masters of the Stage. This program was made possible by support from Stage Directors and Choreographer Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members.